Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about breakout offensive players. This is going to be exciting because there's uh, some names that everyone's going to want to talk about. Probably the quarterback could be one of those guys, Uh, maybe. There's a chance, man. There's there's a really, really good chance, Ant, that that is going to be the case. And you know what? That's that's okay. If that ends up being what it is, then it is what it is. And you know what? Uh, The Cutback crew is not going to be wrong. I don't know if there's anything... I don't know if there's a name that they can come up with that would be wrong, per se. There might be ones that are questionable, but that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about these, discussing them with the TCC, and discussing them here with one another because, well, while I do think that there's less on the offensive side of the ball than there is on the defensive side of the ball, just because of the potential we saw from the defense last year and just you know what we think that the next step could be under D'Amico Ryans, well, we're just waiting to see the next kind of evolution of the Kyle Shanahan offense, and that could mean running game. It also could mean passing game. Maybe it's an offensive lineman, but the, the options aren't as aren't as big because guys like Trent Williams, I don't know if you can really break out with how dominant he has been. Yeah, he's never going to be a breakout player because he's literally the best player in the league. He's yes. already broke out. Yes. Um, he, he's already brought in it, as it would be. So you, you don't have to worry about... Uh, about him, but you do have to worry about some of these other guys, you know, improving. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see things in chat along the way about Aaron Banks potentially being a breakout player, you know, and, and players like that. I just, I don't know if he's going to break out because I haven't got to see him yet. Uh, but some of the guys that I do think are going to break out are guys that we have seen a little bit do it at the NFL level already. And the first one that's on 
on my mind, is not the quarterback, Trey Lance, but, but Brandon Ayuk. Mm. Uh, I think Brandon Ayuk is set to have an absolutely huge year. And some of the people would say that maybe his numbers weren't as good from year one to year two. Um, but there were things that got a lot better. Number one, he got more yards in year two than he got in year one. So I think that's something to remember. His yards after the catch were up. Even though his catches were down, he was making more things happen with the ball in his hands. I think those are really good things. Plus, this is his first year that he's actually been able to prepare. Uh, he comes in, in the 2020 shortened year in his rookie season because of COVID, deals with all of that. And then in 2021, part of the offseason is dealing with COVID as well. This is the first time he's been able to prepare. He understands what it means to be a pro, and I'm excited about his potential to go ahead and break out. Uh, and you're not wrong here. And look, I think at the end of the day, too, something that, that everyone needs to keep in mind with Brandon Ayuk is that I think everyone feels this way about B.A., BA probably feels this way. Everyone was expecting it last season and it didn't occur. So if there was a, a time for it to happen, it is it is 100% now. Not to mention the fact, Ant, that this past season, he put up statistically a better year with more yards on less receptions, which is yeah. kind of insane, especially the way the year started off and how much flack coaches were getting, how much flack Jimmy Garoppolo was getting, how much flack anyone that was not named Brandon Ayuk was getting from this fan base. Um, we were one of the only people that were really kind of like, hey, it kind of looks like B.A.'s not doing the things that he used to do the way he used to do them. His rounds aren't as clean. He's not being as secure with the football in his hand. He's not creating as much separation. And then the numbers start coming out. And it's like, yeah, he's not getting as much separation. They're tracking him running routes and practices. He's not running as fast as they know he can run. Um, you know, him and Kyle Shanahan having conversations. It takes Kyle Juszczyk having the, having the talk in the locker room for it to kind of spur and kick into gear for B.A. And hope we're hoping now that that, that conversation with Juszczyk last year is going to translate into something more this year. He spent the whole offseason with Trey Lance, so they definitely have been working together, and they're going to be there's going to be a comfort level there. And we're going to see if that translates into more targets, more receptions, things of that nature. And that's the thing that's crazy, And He had less targets last season. He had less receptions last season. But he put up statistically more yards. He had more yards per reception, the same amount of touchdowns as well, playing in only, uh, excuse me, starting in only 16 games. And we know what the first three or four games looked like, a very limited usage Brandon Ayuk. So if Brandon Ayuk can continue to grow and develop, the sky is the limit. And I think he is the prime top candidate of everyone on this roster. Yes, top candidate, even over Trey Lance, to be the guy who actually breaks out this year and becomes a star. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why is Kyle's figured out his role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kyle's figured out what he wants to do. In 2020, he had to use Brandon Ayuk, you know, to kind of take over some of the Debo Samuel roles because Debo was dealing with all the hamstring issues. Uh, so he used them in fly sweeps and reverses and, you know, screen passes. And we've seen Brandon Ayuk is good at those, but not great at those. He's not Debo when it comes down to it. And the thing is, Debo is going to help as well because Debo is going to get a lot of attention. Debo is going to get a tremendous amount of attention from defenses, and that's going to allow Brandon Ayuk possibilities of getting one-on-one -on -one situations where he can win. And I think with Kyle understanding what he can do in this offense, he's going to be able to put him in those situations to win. So I'm excited about all the offensive players because of Debo. Because when Debo starts moving, 11 eyes or 11 sets of eyes are going to be focused on where Debo Samuel is at all times, and that's going to create opportunities for other players. You throw in the fact that Jawan Jennings is going to be a guy that can make a lot of plays, and now Danny Gray can take the top off, and Brandon doesn't have to worry about that. That's not something he has to do. He can do it. He doesn't have to. And Ray Ray McLeod can handle all the other things that he didn't want to do, the screen passes, the reverses, and all those things. Uh, yeah, look, I think B.A., It's for me, it's very obvious. B.A. is the best wide receiver, top-to-bottom, complete wideout on this football team. 
Um, yes, Debo Samuel is probably the best athlete, best football player on the offense at a skill position standpoint anyway, because of the diversity and the amount of ways that you can use him. But in terms of route running separation, being able to run at pretty much every route on the tree and, and do it in a diversity of different ways, including making routes not only look the same, but also sell guys on certain looks and releases and getting guys to commit fully and bite fully and then be able to just basically leave a guy in, in his dust, especially in the red zone. He's a dynamic red zone threat as well. He does a lot of really good things. He's a very smart, intelligent player, too. We've seen him running routes against zones, sitting in the soft spot, and just being available for his quarterback and finding finding ways to get back to the quarterback or get himself into space for the quarterback to recognize him. He's done that with Trey. He's done that with Jimmy. It's absolutely incredible to watch. Um, his IQ at the, at the wide receiver position is, is phenomenal, and Wes Welker definitely helped that. The question is now is, will Brandon Ayuk help himself? Because if he helps himself, goodness gracious almighty, have fun rest of the league trying to figure this out. And NFC West teams who have to play this team twice a year with Trey Lance at the helm and Brandon Ayuk and him on the same page, that's a deadly combination. Yeah, and I think one of the things that goes to speak to his mentality is the way he's approached being a leader in this room. Uh, he's going into the wide receiver room, him and Jawan Jennings, and they're going in there with a you know an attitude that they're going to help lead the younger guys, and they're going to be a leader on this football team. I think that's a good thing to have with Brandon Ayuk. I'm excited about that potential. And I think when it comes to Ayuk, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to be you know a big-time football player for the 49ers. I'm excited about it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens when Brandon gets out there. But I think you know there's going to be opportunities for him to be able to uh, you know make plays in this offense. And I think one of the key things to watch is when Trey Lance starts scrambling and he's able to fling the ball down the field. Brandon Ayuk is one of those guys who's done a very good job of being able to react, scramble, and find the open areas where he can get the ball. Uh, so maybe that will help a lot when it comes to you know what Brandon Ayuk adds to this offense. Uh, agreed with you on that, and it's it's very very intriguing to see and and what it ends up what that role ends up looking like in its entirety this season with Kyle having a full well not a full year but a better feel for BA for a full year and BA having a better understanding of what it means to be a pro and how, yeah. to, how to behave and act in that room and be a leader. So we'll see how that, uh, how that builds, how that, you know, turns over a new leaf and what that does to the offense. And hopefully it's a big thing because the reality is, is that most people are going to feel this way. And a lot of chat is probably already feeling this way. The breakout star on the offense is probably going to be Trey Lance. Now here's the thing. And this is why you and I, uh, when it comes to Trey and it comes to banks, it's very hard to measure what, breakout star means because if Trey puts up Jimmy Garoppolo type numbers which is what I am expecting out of him I know it's what you said if he does the Niners are in a much better spot even than last year just because Trey can do it in a different way and that's the big dynamic home run type plays but if Trey has Jimmy Garoppolo type numbers I am not going to sit here and say that that is a breakout year for Trey Lance that is a expected what what should be the case for Trey Lance um, and a lot of people would I think a lot of people would consider that a breakout year for Trey Lance, almost 4,000 yards passing, few hundred yards rushing, you know, 20 plus touchdown total touchdowns, uh, keeping it under that, you know, 12 interception number. And a lot of people are going, man, Trey Lance is the star of the future. I'm sitting there going, that's, that's what, that's basically what Jimmy was doing without all the running. And that, that for me is not breakout star material. Now, if he, I think he I think he can do those things. If he can surpass that, then yes, he would be the breakout star of this offense. If he throws for more than 4,000 yards passing, if he puts up the crazy numbers that we saw P, uh, PFN have, or DFN, excuse me, Draft Network, have for him in the rushing category with the right. rushing touchdowns, then yes, he is in the breakout star category. But it, it has to be that. If he puts up a Jimmy Garoppolo-type stat line, 
I don't consider that a breakout year. Yeah, I mean, if he puts up those numbers, I think that a lot of people will consider him a breakout star. I, I think that the Four Letter Network and a lot of the other national media outlets 100%. would start talking up Trey Lance as being one of the big-time stars in this league. I, I really do. And I think that I would be very happy with those numbers. I think that would be something that would make me think he's flying up on the scene and that he can build something out of this. And I think it would also go ahead and, and take some of the pressure off of Kyle Shannon and John Lynch uh, because that means that they're definitely trending in the right direction as what Trey could be. I think that is a natural progression, and maybe we un, you know, believe that he's going to do that a little bit more than others. So maybe it wouldn't be considered as high on our radar as it would be others because we expect him to be able to have that sort of success. Um, but if he has it and some people start calling him a breakout star, I'm okay with that because I would love for him to start trending in that direction, start getting the national notoriety as being one of those players uh, that does a very good job instead of them going on the negative part of it. You know, I don't really want this guy catching criticism. I want him to start getting some positive reinforcement from the media types so that way he can continue to build confidence. Um, so I'm excited about uh, Trey Lance, but you're right. If he gets those numbers, I don't think I'll be shocked with it. So I, maybe I won't consider it a breakout, but I'll definitely consider it a nice building block. Mr. Corey, there's just one problem with that thought process with J Jimmy being a 10 year pro. You are correct. You are correct about him being in the league for 10 years. That is, that is accurate. He has been in the league for 10 years. He wasn't playing all 10 of those years. In fact, 2019 was his first full healthy year as a starter. When he put up the numbers that he put up, which were oddly similar this past season. So, I mean, in theory, it was his second full year as a starter. 2022 was his fourth full year as a starter. Or 2021, the 2021 season was essentially his fourth year as the starting quarterback. So, no, I'm not going to be sitting here, you know, comparing apples to oranges in that category and, and in that regard. The reality is, is that you can be in the league as long as you want, but until you step on that football field and are asked to go do the job, it doesn't mean anything. Now, Trey is going to potentially being asked to do the job in his second year in the league, whereas Garoppolo, it wasn't the case. All it will mean is, is that Trey Lance at this point in his development in this year as his starting quarterback is just further along than where Jimmy was two years in. Also, not necessarily a fair comparison because Jimmy Garoppolo was sitting behind Tom Brady and Trey Lance is not. Not the same situation at all. Uh, it, it's it's a different situation completely between the two quarterbacks, and I think the expectations for both should be different. When the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, they were really going to see what they got out of that situation to decide if they wanted to bring him back. With Trey Lance, they believe they know what they got. They invested a heavy amount, a, hep a hefty sum to bring in Trey Lance, and I think they're hoping that he's going to be the breakout star that everyone wants him to be, and maybe he will. Um, so I'm I'm excited about Trey Lance's potential. I think he does unlock a lot of things about this offense that are going to be fun to watch this year that maybe we haven't seen with Jimmy Garoppolo. We know the read option is something that he's going to be able to do. And I'm more excited about the times that he actually gives and the time that he pulls. Um, but I'm also wanting to see if Kyle Shanahan unlocks a little bit more of that RPO we saw in 2019, where Jimmy Garoppolo would turn his back to the defense and then whip it around and throw. There were a lot of opportunities in the RPO that maybe Jimmy didn't do in 2021 as much. I'm wondering if those come back with Trey Lance at the helm. They very well could, and it could be just that. We could be seeing a little bit more of that. And look, the, there's the next guy that you want to talk to that's on your list, Chat. Not not as big of a fan of and don't want to put Elijah Mitchell in the breakout offensive player category. In fact, zero percent of the TCC at the moment has voted for Elijah Mitchell. Good. A little surprised by that. I won't forget this. Uh, uh, don't 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 let him forget it. I think a lot of people, though, might be in the same boat that you and I were pre-show when talking about this. And that the, the, the fact is, right, that Elijah Mitchell had a great year last year. He's already broken out. How could you break out even more? Well, it's real simple. He didn't rush for a thousand yards. He didn't stay healthy. He wasn't a guy that, you know, 
did the things, all the, the characteristics of running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense, he began to catch the ball at the end of the season, but it wasn't something that he did early on. Now, he's a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. That's something I look for his role to continue to expand with. But I think that when it comes to Elijah Mitchell, the fact that he didn't play a full season, we don't know what his numbers can be. And I'm sorry, 963 yards is fantastic. You know what would be really great? If that was 1,563 yards. And I think that's the kind of potential he has. And to me, that's a breakout star. That is a move in the right direction. Right now, everyone is like, oh, Elijah Mitchell's cool. I'm going to draft him in the 12th round of fantasy. Fantastic. We want him to be one of those big-time players that everyone wants on their fantasy team. And I think he has that potential because... The way that he was developing in that offensive scheme, he was getting really comfortable with the running style that they wanted him to use. Um, so I'm excited about his potential getting even better and feeling more comfortable, not to mention the fact that they've added some players that are possibly going to take some of those reps away so that way he can stay healthy for the full 17 games. The real, the real, I guess, I don't even know if it's a concern so much as it's just a question, is it's just what's, what is the what is the role going to look like? Is he going to get 200 touches again? Is he going to get that amount of, amount of carries? If, he, if he's RB1 in the running back room, stays healthy, there's a chance the number could go down. But what that also may mean is, is that he has less touches and more opportunities for bigger plays because he's fresher throughout the season as well. He's not getting beat up. He's staying healthy. Uh, he's not protecting himself with certain things. He's willing, willing and allowing himself to take more chances. Uh, but again, getting comfortable with the running style. You've mentioned that he is solid in the receiving game, but the most important thing of what you said in is that is the preparation level. The preparation level going into last season was learn, grow, develop and see what happens. And it all went out the window week one. It all went away and it went from, this is a year for you to grow and develop to, this is the, you got to carry this load, my guy. Young man, you're going to be rumbling for 17 games this season or as many as we can possibly get out of you. This year, there is no question. When he got done out of the building, right, went into offseason, <clears throat> the only thing he was preparing for was being RB1 in San Francisco. He's not preparing to share the load. He's not preparing to split. It is your job to lose, kid. Go get it done. Go get it taken care of. So he's had a whole offseason with that mindset in place. And when you have that mindset in place and everything changes, I can tell you this as a junior in high school going in, we had a, a very talented team the year before at, at Toke for my basketball program. When I came in as a junior, the thought process and the conversations with the coaching staff were, Alex, you're the sixth man. You're the first guy off the bench. You're our backup point guard. We need you to lead. We need you to be the spark off the bench. That's your job. That's your role this year. Prepped an entire offseason to be the sixth man. And then the point guard quit two weeks before the, for the first game of the season. And Alex, you're the starting point guard now. And the entirety of, of your mindset shifts. What you have to do shifts. And it took me about two to three games into the season and two to three weeks and two to three tournaments to just kind of figure out what does this role now look like as the starter? What is expected of me? And how do I go out and do the job the, the guy in front of me was going to be doing and he's no longer here for? Yeah, I think the good news is for, for Elijah Mitchell, he does know what's expected of him. Absolutely. You know, And he's going to come in there and, and take the bull by the horns and get after it. And the other thing that's going to go to help him a lot is no matter what questions you have about this offensive line, the questions aren't going to be about run blocking. The way that Kyle Shannon and John Lynch uh, draft guys, they, they draft guys who are run block guys first. So they're going to have a very good run game. We know that we got uh, Kyle Ushek that's going to be able to help as well. So I'm excited about that. But you've seen the maturation process of Elijah Mitchell throughout the year. 
going from a guy that was looking, trying to feel when he was supposed to cut, to being able to cut and go through some of the smallest holes I've seen you know, players go through recently in recent memory. So I think Elijah Mitchell was coming into his own in this offense, and I think he's going to continue to do that. You throw in the fact that Trey Lance is going to be there with him, and Trey Lance is going to have some opportunities to which you don't know if he's got the ball or Elijah Mitchell does. That's going to create some holes where edge rushers and edge players have to decide if they're going to stick with Trey Lance or if they're going to go down the line for Elijah Mitchell. I think those could be just the thing that Elijah Mitchell needs to take it to the next level. You go ahead and you throw in the fact that he only played in 11 games and you add six more to that. His numbers are going to go up a lot. And I'm sorry, a, a 13 to 1400 yard season, even if it's that, and that's a modest calculation from what he had, that would be an, a fantastic year. And I think that he would be considered a breakout player. Agreed. He's got to get that done. Though. It's got to be, it's got to be just that. And Tommy, they need to do it in six. Cause if it gets to game seven, they're losing to the Boston Celtics. I'm just going to say that right now. I haven't been watching much basketball, but what I have been seeing from the Celtics is they, they will win game seven on the road. Uh, but look, I, I agree. And this is the thing with Elijah Mitchell that also kind of leads into the Aaron Banks conversation, because a lot of people feel this way about Banks. They feel like he could be, has the potential to be a breakout star, but Ant, what does breakout star look like on the O-line for a guy like Aaron Banks? Because he is filling the shoes of Lincoln Tomlinson. So if you just do the job that Lincoln Tomlinson did at the same rate and the same level, is that is that breakout status or does it have to be more? Because personally, I feel like in order for it to be a breakout, right, you need to, you make this, you're taking this risk, taking this chance, knowing that this guy can potentially be what Lincoln Thomason be, but potentially could do more. So for me, it's like Pro Bowl. He's got to make a Pro Bowl, the thing Lincoln could not do last year. If he goes in and has a dominating performance next to Trent Williams, you know, doesn't give up a whole lot of pressures, not a lot of sacks and makes a Pro Bowl in his first full year as a starter, then yeah. He has, he's the break. He would be potentially the breakout player of the offense, you know, barring Brandon Ayuk not going absolutely insane or Trey Lance not going absolutely insane. But that would be the only, only way I'm putting him in that category. And what's up, E Nice? Uh, I think that, you know, when it comes down to banks, I, I, I just don't know what to expect from him. You know, I don't know what the baseline is of what's to expect it from him. So I don't know if he's going to be a breakout player. If, I guess if he went out there and he had himself one heck of a season and he was able to fill in the role of which Lakin Tomlinson had left and he does it you know, at a pretty good manner, I would think that was a breakout year for him because that means he's a legitimate starter in this league and that the 49ers struck with second round gold and now you can count on this guy to go in there and get it done. I think that would be, considering what we saw last year and the development that he had, um, anything that makes anything that makes you think he's a legitimate left guard starter in this league, I think is somewhat of a breakout season for Aaron Banks. And if he was able to reach Lakin Tomlinson levels at which he played as good as Lakin Tomlinson, it would be a breakout uh, year for sure because Lakin Tomlinson just got $13 million, which is top money in the league for a guard. That would mean Banks is playing at the level of some of the top guards in the league, and that's a good sign for the 49ers. And this run game and pass game are going to take a step forward because now you would have an excellent player in Banks playing next to Trent Williams. Very, very true. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think it needs to be a little more than that, but hey, everyone's got to have a different spin and, and, and on this in regards to Banks in terms of what is required or what are the what are the necessary checklists to, to mark off, hey, breakout star for the offense. We're going to find out what happens and we're going to find out what he can do. Um, Tommy Alex, you just asked, McKivitt's at left guard. Um, look, I, I don't think he is solidified as the starter at the, as of this point in time. So it could be in theory, anybody, but I think he has probably the best chance. Yeah. Everything that's been said about from Chris Forrester all the way to Kyle Shanahan makes me believe that it's going to be Aaron banks, or at least they're going to give him every opportunity to win that job. And I think that, you know, banks going ahead and working on his body and the fact that he was taking all the first team snaps at minicamp 
makes me believe he's probably going to be that guy. Um, do I think Colton McKivitz has a fighting chance? Sure, why not? You'll let the battle commence and let's see what happens. But the 49ers want Banks to win that job. There's a reason they went and drafted him and they have a particular thing they want to use him for. Uh, so I think that it's going to be Banks. And I think right now Colton McKivitz is going to look for another another way to get on the field. I think the bigger question is who's going to play right guard. Because if they do flirt with Daniel Brunskill at center, that will open up the right guard spot. And Colton McKivitz could be a candidate there as long as, as well as Jalen Moore. Very, very true. And who's the next guy on your list for breakout offensive player potential? That's got to be Jawan Jennings. I mean, the way that Jawan Jennings finished the year last year, he's one of those guys that was converting big plays, you know, making touchdowns in week 18 to tie the Rams, you know, making big time runs down the sidelines. He was just doing it all. And you throw in the fact that he's one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league, which means Kyle Shanahan wants him on the field. <laughs> and I think that it ultimately changes the way Kyle Shanahan calls offense because now he's willing to go to more three wide receiver sets and less tight ends because Jawan Jennings operates in the blocking game like a tight end. So then you get mismatches of him on a nickel corner or him on a safety. And those are good situations for the 49ers. So the 49ers can spread the field with Trey Lance on the field and give themselves some advantages and some extra run lanes to have and also throwing lanes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what Jawan Jennings can do in year two um, because he definitely sprung on the scene in his, in his what would be a rookie campaign because he spent the entire you know, uh, rookie season on the practice squad. And look, the, just the development from year one to year two was evident in training camp. It was dramatic how much yeah. how much different he looked, how much more confident he was, um, how the route running looked, his ability to create separation despite not being a, a speedy guy, and the red zone threat. I mean, the amount of touchdowns that man caught in training camp last year alone was eye-boggingly eye like <clears throat> apparent, and a lot of them came from Trey Lance. That is that is something that was very apparent is him and Trey in the red zone were very dialed in. Well, now you have a year two Juwan Jennings in terms of being on the roster potentially in San Francisco, a year two Juwan Jennings in terms of understanding his role in the system, a year two Juwan Jennings who has shown Kyle Shanahan that, yeah, you know what? It is viable for you to go three wideouts because I can block for you and we can give and sell looks that we couldn't do before with certain wide receiver groups and packages on the field. And now you're in a much better spot. You're in a really good spot. And and the potential for him to put up bigger numbers is not only there, but the touchdown numbers, the one that is, is mind-boggling because he did play in 16 games and he only had 24 receptions, but five of those were touchdowns. Five of those 24 were touchdowns. We're, we're talking about one almost just over one-fifth of his catches resulting in a TD. So you get this guy in more snaps, more situations, more opportunities, and that number goes from 24 receptions ant to 50. We're talking about 10, potentially 10 to 12 touchdown season for Jawan Jennings, which is silly, absolutely silly for a guy who isn't the number one wide receiver on a football team. Yeah, and it feels like the other 19 receptions were all converts, conversions on third down. He did, uh, he did Kendrick Bourne's role better he, than Kendrick Bourne. He really did, you know, and he's a he's a big physical receiver that understands how to use his body. And I think that he's going to be able to improve a little bit because he's going to be able to operate over the middle with a little bit more consistency because he's going to have more space because of Danny Gray. And that, then the expanded role of Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you throw in the fact that there's going to be all those eyes on Debo Samuel. And I think that Jawan Jennings is sometimes going to go missed. And that was one of the things that happened you know, in that, that Rams game in Week 18. You had Debo Samuel come in motion and then go to the flat and you've seen the safety absolutely, Weddle absolutely bailed on his responsibilities to cover Jawan Jennings over the middle to go after Debo Samuel. Next thing you know, Jennings is over the middle of the field wide open and he walks into the end zone. 
those things are going to happen again because when it comes down to it, Jawan Jennings is not the number one guy for a defense to be able to read. He's not the number two guy. He's not the number three guy because that you know is is Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. Um, all those guys are going to be you know making big time plays, and all the while Jawan Jennings is going to rack up stats. I look for his numbers to increase this year, probably double. And if he does have a double in touchdowns. It would be considered a breakout year for sure. Agreed with you on that. It would 100% be a breakout year for him in that case. Uh, Tommy had asked a little earlier, was Banks a second round talent or was it a reach of a pick? I think it's a little too early to know with certainty one way or the other. I think the Niners felt better about him, obviously, than a lot of other names that were on the board, especially once their guy and Walker Little was, was selected and was off the board and no longer available for them to go after. You can feel any way that you want. I know we weren't very high on the pick when it happened because it didn't make a lot of sense scheme-wise. Right. There were other schemes, though. It would have made 100% sense for him to go in the second round. So is he a guy who had second-round talent? Absolutely. Was he a second-round talent guy potentially for San Francisco? Maybe not, but they were sitting there going, we can't get this caliber of player in the third round. We reach on this guy who isn't maybe as high on our board as other guys, but he's the highest lineman in the, in the position of need that we want at this time. Yeah, he wasn't a scheme fit. I mean, that wasn't something that he was right then. They knew they were going to have to develop him. I just think they thought he was going to develop quicker than anticipated. And when True. he didn't, then they had to redshirt him. Now, we know they're, they don't normally expect rookies to come to contribute right away. They expect them to be able to develop. And as far as that goes, it might work out because Banks, Good. you know, as long as he improves his lateral quickness, which everyone says he has, everyone says he's more athletic than he's ever been, then he's going to be able to operate in this outside zone scheme and be able to get to the, the blocks that he needs to make. He's a pretty good pass blocker. My questions have been lateral movement and pass blocking because Maurice Hurst and some of these other defensive linemen uh, really made it hard on him last year. So I think he's got a lot of good work, and that's a good thing because his defensive line going against him all year definitely made him better. He went ahead and made himself better in the offseason by becoming a more chiseled version of himself. And now I think he's going to go in there with a lot of confidence <clears throat> to be able to take this you know, position by the by the throat and take over. And I think he's going to do it. Uh, but I don't know exactly what we're going to get out of him. But I do think he's a second round talent. Just wouldn't have been a second round pick if I'm a, if I'm a San Francisco 49ers front office. Uh, but that's why they get paid the big bucks. You know, that's right. And that is 100% why they get paid the big bucks. And look, I, I still have two names. I still have two guys and that I think could be breakout players now one of them is going to be a surprise okay and the other one is going to be a surprise because most people are going to say you can't put george kittle as a breakout offensive player but here is where i will argue against it number one a lot of people felt last year he did not have a good year george kittle took a step backwards he wasn't involved in the offense and he wasn't good that's what a lot of people were saying i heard it all year long i heard it in the playoffs I heard it leading up at the end of the season. He's not involved in the offense. He disappears. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. He was the second tight end in terms of yards and, and receptions behind Travis Kelsey, despite having missed a handful of games. Also, the fact that, you know, he almost had a thousand yards despite missing all of that time. I think this is going to be one of the first years that we're going to see a healthy George Kittle for 17 weeks. And I'm going to make that prediction now because of the new weapons, because of, of a more dynamic running back room because you don't, you're not going to have to, if necessary, Ant, turn around and hand the ball off 50 times, 40 times in a game because of Trey Lance's ability to stretch the field. You can take the top off, and I think it's going to open up Kittle's ability offensively to do a lot of different things, be more dynamic, more diverse, not just being asked to block. The wear and tear on his body is going to come down a little bit this year because they're going to be able to rotate him out because they're going to be 
a second year Charlie Warner they're a little bit more comfortable with, potentially Tyler Croft coming in and taking some snaps away, keeping him healthy. And because of that, I think you're going to see an all pro year from George Kittle taking it up a notch and, uh, and leading the league in receiving yards at the tight end position. Yeah, I think an all-pro season would be an uptick in production for George Kittle, and that's an advancement. Uh, he's definitely broke out onto the scene before. 100%. Um, so, I mean, he could break out again. Why not? And uh, you're right. People were down on his performance and often talked about him in a negative light considering he was just nothing more than a blocker or even referring to him as an extra lineman. Uh, those were definitely disrespectful to George Kittle and the things he's able to do. I think the advancement of the offense this year and some of the cool things that are going to happen with Trey Lance at the helm is also going to provide George Kittle some opportunities to not be in line so much. I think there will be times when he'll be in the slot playing a power slot role and they'll match him up and let him block linebackers, you know, and out and safety from a different angle. So I think his blocking could change a little bit. But I do also think they're going to want to get him more involved in the passing game. You're right. They're not going to want to leave him back there as much. Um, and maybe that'll be something to do with the guys they brought in, like you mentioned. We'll see. But I think the 49ers have an actual scheme for which they want to use George Kittle. And I think there is a goal to keep all these guys healthy for 17 games. Uh, but when George Kittle is right, he's one of the best to do it in the league. The game he had against uh, Cincinnati had their coach absolutely freaking out. We did a video about it, in fact, because uh, he had nothing but great things to say about Kittle, about how they couldn't stop Kittle. Kittle went unbelievably, un you know, uncontrollably out of control in that game. It was crazy. Uh, one of the most exciting games to watch. If you're going to watch George Kittle in a game, go back and watch that one. It's a good one. And it shows his potential. So maybe Kittle could be even a further breakout star than he already is. Sure, Mr. Corey saying 1,300 yards this season, best tight end of the league. I would 100% agree with you there, Mr. Corey. In terms of complete tight end, the whole package, route running, catching the ball, running after the catch, red zone threat, blocking, whatever it is George Kittle can do and will continue to do. I'm excited to see him doing it with Trey Lance's upcoming season and the new weapons on offense. Um, now, the controversial one, Ant, because some people, maybe, maybe they think that's controversial because they say George Kittle is already broken out you can't break out any more than he already has and you know what i, I would say that that's a good argument to make it's daniel brunskill okay and the reason is daniel brunskill is for one reason and one reason only he is potentially going to be just sitting at the guard spot now this is dependent on that if he is going to be the right guard coming into the season and they are making that decision they are going that way they're going to go with brendel they're going to sign treader whatever it is to address the center position and they're going to let daniel brunskill continue to develop at the guard spot we potentially could see a breakout of Daniel Brunskill because when he came in, the rumors were and the speculation was tackle and tackle prospects, swing tackle possibilities, diversity, utility. That first year as a starter had to also work on and move inside to center because of injuries. Right. Last season was the first time that we had to see Daniel Brunskill from start to finish be the right guard for the 49ers. And there were high moments against Aaron Donald. There were low moments in certain games where he's getting pushed back and bullied back. But it was his first full year of only being able to focus on right guard. And if he gets to do that yet again, well, what have we seen consistently from 49ers players? Multiple years in the system, Ant. Multiple years to focus on your job and your task. Continual development, whether that's on the defensive side of the ball, whether that's on the offensive side of the ball. George Kittle in year two having big years. Uh, we saw Juwan Jennings last year in his second full year on the roster have a have kind of a, a, a coming out of nowhere type moment. Elijah Mitchell shoot did it in his first year. We're going to see what, what year two is. And we're all expecting positive things for Trey Lance. Then why wouldn't, why wouldn't that be the case? For Daniel Brunskill in his second full year at the right guard spot. I mean, it could be. I mean, it, it could be. The question is, is Daniel Brunskill going to be the starting right guard when the season starts? True. Uh, I think it's up in the air a little bit. But, I mean, if Brunskill's on the field, there's nothing that makes me believe Brunskill can't get it done. We've seen him do it. 
Uh, Brunskill's a good football player. He understands what his role is and what he's supposed to do. And I think the re-addition of Mike McGlinchey next to him will give him a little bit of comfort having that tackle that he was used to playing with right there with him. Uh, also, if you can get the run game going, that'll help Daniel Brunskill as well. True. Um, but I do wonder if it's going to be Brunskill or Jalen Moore that starts at right guard. I think Ooh. Moore has got a fighting chance at this. I think Brunskill is definitely the leader in the clubhouse, and I think it's going to take an absolute haymaker from Jalen Moore to get him out of there uh, because I think they do feel confident in Brunskill. But I think they want Jalen Moore to go in there and secure this job. They're moving him into guard for a reason. So let's see what happens. Let's see if Daniel Brunskill gets on the field. I think you're right. If he gets on the field, I think he will have a good year. Um, but could Jalen Moore actually be the one that's the breakout star and has a great year after beating Daniel Brunskill out in training camp? Could be. Could yeah. be that. It very well could be the case. Um, we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. I, I would agree with you right now that it's going to take a a large punch, a gigantic, massive punch from Jalen Moore. Here's <laughs> the good news. He's a massive guy. He's, he's a big dude. He now, he's tiny in comparison to... Uh, Couple guys. Who was the gentleman we were looking at? Is Nick Zakel. Oh my gosh, he is tiny compared to Zakel. Yeah, he's, he's tiny compared to him. And the one that was really tiny was Jason Poe next Jason to po- Trent Jason. Williams. Hey, I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> I, I watched that film, man. Was like, there's no way. I, I I think Jason Poe is a phenomenal talent. And I think the Niners could do something with this. I just don't know if it's right now. He looks small. I just don't know how much bigger he's going to get. Right? I mean, he's six foot one, three hundred pounds. How much bigger can he get? D-Lie, baby. Let, yeah. let Chris Kassarek get his hands on that, man. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he, he's a tremendous athlete. But speaking of that, did you see the video of Trent Williams pulling around the edge side, out the, on the outside during uh, bag drills? Yes. In fact, Poe was the one that was chasing him, and Trent Williams beat him to the spot. Uh, Trent Williams is, is not human. No, he's <laughs> really not, and he's, he is a... A, a literal freak and look in, in, in the best in the nicest way possible he is a freak it, it is a good thing that he is a freak because I would I would I, there's not a literally not another left tackle right now that I would want and I love me some Joe Staley like pride and Joe Staley was, was absolutely fantastic I might I'm gonna say it right now I'd, I'd rather have prime Trent Williams yeah I think I think prime Trent Williams is uh unbelievable I mean he's he's one of those guys that's a hall of famer uh, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer in this league, and he's he's tremendous at what he does. Uh, so, yeah, he he's definitely going to be up there at some point as one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game. Sure. Uh, we'll let everyone else figure out exactly where, but he's, he's just fantastic. The mixture of size, athletic ability, and intelligence uh, to go along with skill and technique is uh, not easy to find in this league. I've only seen a few of them. Uh, just a handful. Of yeah. uh, Donald Johnson, will TDP have a good year? I think TDP is going to have a good year, you know, and a lot of that's going to go. He's going to have a very defined role. So I think it's going to be one of those things. You don't see him with a lot of carries, um, but you see him coming through with some big time conversions, whether that's on third down, fourth down, you know, inside the red zone. I think those are going to be his times to shine. And I think he will have a modest amount of yards and carries, but he'll have some big time impact in certain situations. Uh, Agreed with you on that. I, I, I just think his role is going to be limited on barring injury, barring injury and Trey Sermon, just not being anything for this offense, a TDP role is going to be limited. Um, ideally, I think it's going to end up being what they wanted out of Elijah Mitchell last year, a guy who could eventually come in and potentially be the third down short yardage back. Yeah, it could be, you know, and the fact that, you know, what's crazy about TDP is you look at him and you, th- you don't understand that he's actually four, four, eight. I mean, he's a guy that's got a tremendous amount of speed to go with that big size. So I'm excited about him. And, and the way that they talked about him and Anthony Lynn talked about, you know, the use of TDP was different than Trey Sermon. He said there was nobody like him on the roster. Um, so the normal comparison is is Trey Sermon because of his size. But I think that they see TDP in a completely different light than even Trey Sermon. 
which is impressive and, and exciting to see what that's going to look like in terms of taking taking what they believe right and being able to mold it into this offense, find the find the way to utilize them properly, and then executing executing that uh, that vision. That's going to be exciting to see, and we'll see what the Niners decide to do and how they decide to go about deploying that strategy. I guess is the best way to put it. And Mr. Corey, anyone think Charlie Warner is going to have a breakout year this year? Three to four yards, three touchdowns, fair. Uh, I don't know because you you're throwing Croft into the mix. You got Jordan Matthews is coming into the mix. Uh, Fumagili as well. That's in the mix. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen at the tight end position. And I think that, you know, depending on how Croft does in training camp or even Ross Dooley or Jordan Matthews, they could take plays away from Charlie Warner. Um, So I'm not sure that he keeps ascending as far as receiving numbers. He might keep uh, ascending as far as blocking opportunities. So we'll see if he becomes, you know, one of those guys that's more of the third tight end blocking type once we get out of training camp, I think that's going to be one of the cool rooms to watch the tight end room. I think there could be a lot of guys that, you know, uh, are in competition for that second and third spot on the roster. Very true. Um, look, I, I've all, I've been about improving this tight end room and it's hard. It's hard to say this. Um, it really is. I, I like Charlie Warner. I like his development. I just don't know if he's ever going to be a viable tight end two in the league. I yeah. think the, the receiving aspect of his game is, is lacking the route running lacks. Um, I just don't see it there. I mean, it's a perfect situation for him here in San Francisco because his skill set as a blocker can be utilized, and Kyle Shanahan can scheme him open. So you can hide some of those weaknesses as a as a wide receiver, but they're still prevalent. They still exist. They're, they're not going away anytime soon. I, I don't see them be, th- that ever becoming something he can truly like harness in and fix. It's just not who he is as a player. It's not a skill set of his as a strength. Um, I think he can... Make it so it's not as much of a liability, but it won't ever elevate to a point where I feel comfortable with him as tight end too. So if Tyler Croft can come in and take that rollover, phenomenal. Your tight end room is already better than it was last year because Ross Dwelly is on his way out and out the door. Um, and if Jordan Matthews surprises everybody and the blocking is anywhere near Charlie Warner's level, like anywhere near it, then you have a better option at tight end too in, in Jordan Matthews who can go out there and receive the football, get open in space and do something with the ball in his hand once he catches it. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, that's one of the things that Jordan Matthews could definitely do for this football team is be able to expand the receiver role of the tight end. George Kittle can do everything, you know, but right now they're looking for a tight end that can do uh, some of everything because they have guys that have very defined roles in this room. And so I think that's one of the fun conversations that we're going to be able to have in these training camp battles coming up because uh, Jordan Matthews receiving skills, you know, against Charlie Warner's blocking skills or Ross Dwelly's receiving skills against Crofts, you know, blocking blocking and receiving skills. I think the 49ers did a good job of improving this room and adding depth, and now it's going to be a competition to see who wins. And I think the 49ers would love to go in with three well-rounded tight ends, you know, two guys that you don't understand, you know, you don't know what they're going to do as far as when they come up to the line of scrimmage, they could block or they could go out for a pass. Right now, when Charlie Warner's in, you're definitely not thinking about him in the passing game. You're thinking, oh, he's probably in the block, and with Ross Dwelly, it's the inverse uh, and we've seen both those tight ends get open down the seam against Arizona and Trey Lance. Look at them like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm going somewhere else. So I think that the, there Anywhere is some... Anywhere but you two. Yeah, there's some advancement that needs to happen. I do like Croft's size, and so, I think that could be a, a big part of why he could make this roster. Very true. Uh, Eni says, need to see that speed on the field from TDP, and they say he can't catch. Look, I'm not going to knock TDP on any skill set that he has. I, I love his vision. I love a lot of things that he's seen. Um, I, I, I think the, the speed could translate a little bit better in the field, but we'll see if that was a scheme thing at LSU or, or if it's just something in regards to his running style in game. But you know what I'm not going to do is sit there and say anything about his catching. 
because we have a running back on the roster who catches worse than he does, and his name is Trey Sermon. He's, it's really bad, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes how bad it is, and training camp, the amount of balls that went th- literally through his hands, literally through his hands, it, it can't be any worse than that. So TDP is in a, in a fine spot. At the moment. Well, the good news is that I don't think they brought TDP in to catch the football. Very true. Uh, they, they have guys that can, you know, be pass catchers out of the running back position, including Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr. I think those are the guys that are going to handle those. Jermichael Hasty as well. Tasty Hasty uh, can't catch. If he makes the roster, we'll see. Um, and it, if, if those guys aren't handling the passing game, then, you know, we'll see what happens with TDP's development. Did the routes look... Eh, yeah, did the receiving look? Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, but it was also rookie minicamp when you got to see a lot of this in OTAs. He's gonna have a lot of time to develop. He can go out there and get the jugs machine going and catch the football. And I'm sure he'll get better at it. It just takes time and for these guys to improve. And he's still a rookie, and that's an area of the, of the game that he needs to work on. Uh, but there's other areas of the game that he does at a very high level that I'm excited to add to this roster. Russell Peterson with a bold statement here and a bold take. Jimmy numbers for Trey is the floor. I think Trey has way more potential breakout by game five. What have you seen from Trey Russell that gives you that much confidence that you think Trey's floor right now, his floor is Jimmy's, what we believe to be Jimmy's ceiling and most likely is Jimmy's ceiling. I would like to know how you can say that with such confidence because my belief is, is that the best case scenario this year, best case is Jimmy numbers for Trey in his first full years of starter, seeing as he's going to be 21 years old and doesn't have a lot of playing experience under his belt. I, I love what Russell's saying. I love the confidence. I, I, I just want to know. I, I need to know what you know so I can have that much confidence. I, I love it. I hope that happens. That would be fantastic. It would be great. If, if the floor for Trey Lance is the ceiling for Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like I said before. It's Christmas in it's Christmas in August. Well, get ready for February football because I mean that is the that's what's going to happen for this team. Trey Lance will take this team to another level with that kind of production. Uh, so if Russell's right, then I'm I'm excited about you know Trey Lance being able to put together a year uh, to remember and the 49ers being able to put together what could be a Super Bowl caliber team. It's true. Uh, let's see, five TDs in two and a half games as a rookie with a broken finger. Um, okay. All right. I mean, th- th- those are those are all nice things. Those are nice. And you know what? The broken finger thing is legit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't know about that. Um, that could definitely be a reason why some of the accuracy was a, a problem. Correct. Um, but there's still some decision-making things that he needs to work on. And I think sure. a lot of that is just rookies, you know, not understanding exactly what they're getting out of the playbook, it understanding been, concepts. It could have been confidence, too. I mean, if the broken finger was impacting him and affecting him that much, then he may have had some issues making certain types of throws or maybe wanting to pull the trigger on something and he doesn't feel he has a good grasp on the ball, so he he pumps it a little bit. But again, that's all speculation. That's all assuming that that was the cause for some of those other issues and not it just being a processing issue for Trey Lance. Uh, and we'll never know because Trey Lance will never blame the finger. I mean, no. it's just not what he's about. Uh, he's about going out there and taking responsibility for his actions. That's the one thing I can say about the kid that I like. Uh, he just goes about his business and handles it, and I think he's going to look to improve, and I think he will. I think his understanding and grip of the offense got better throughout the year. I did see improvement from Arizona to Tex- uh, to the Texans game, and I'm expecting to see some improvement when we get to training camp this year. Alex, I'm excited when we get into move the ball segments, if Trey Lance is able to move the ball 
you know, and and really understand what concepts he's supposed to be seeing and what the defense is trying to do to him. If he does, I'm very excited about the advancement of Trey Lance. Yeah, the very early portions of training camp is just going to be kind of a yawn snooze fest when it comes to Trey Lance because it's all scripted. It's the scripted stuff, scripted sessions, scripted play calls against scripted defensive calls. You know what's coming. You know what's going to be there. You know guys aren't going to be hitting you in the pocket. It's a snooze fest. No one's going to care. I mean, there are going to be people who care. We're not going to be too, you know, wrapped up in those moments it's once you get to that unscripted session it's once you get to those move the ball drills and once you're calling plays based on situations both offensively and defensively and there's different things coming at you that you're not prepared for that you have not necessarily anticipated or you anticipated incorrectly you expected this and you got you got that uh, and now you have to on the fly adjust I, I listened to carson palmer on his youtube channel talking about how complicated um, NFL offenses are in terms of calling, understanding, recognizing. Um, and and he goes, he was talking about, you know, practices, him early in his career working on play calls and coach a coach giving him the first part of a play call and not finishing the play because they're simulating the play clock running out 15 and the mic's getting cut off. And him having to, in the huddle, I've only heard half the play call finish out the play call based on knowing the playbook, the down the distance situation, what you're going to be doing in those situations and how difficult that is. That's hard early on for any player. doesn't matter how many years you've been playing quarterback, coming in and learning a new system. I imagine it would not be very easy in a Kyle Shanahan system for a 21-year-old kid to come in there and be able to handle that and do it perfectly. So there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be mistakes. The question is just going to be how he handles that adversity. The good news is, He's handled it pretty well so far. Yeah, that's one of the things that I don't really worry about is the way he handles, uh, you know, situations where he's he's going to be in tough ones because we've seen him do it already. Coming in in week four and being able to play against Arizona, it's not an easy task, but he went out there and handled it with grace, and you know, and he got after it, and he, you know, he really sacrificed his body in that game as well. Uh, so I, I do think that Trey Lance is going to be able to handle it. And we have some some good stuff. One thing, first off, the comment, uh, David Campbell says, someone will be counting every incompletion in camp. You know that. Yeah, definitely. That's going to happen. And then D. Will says, does the TCC think that Trey can throw for more than 3,800 yards? This yes, year? because I think he could easily throw for 3,900. <laughs> That's more than 38. And Trey has the potential to to do incredible things, right? 4,000-plus yard seasons, uh, leading the league in you know 20-plus yard throws downfield outside the numbers. He has the ability to do all of those things. He has the arm strength for it, the touch on the deep ball to, to be that kind of guy and potentially even break records in terms of deep ball completion percentage in a season. I think he has that kind of touch and special ability throwing the ball downfield that we could see him at the quarterback position doing something that no other person in the league has done and, and things that we've just never seen before in terms of how successful he could be throwing the ball down the field deep outside the numbers. The question is, do other teams know that? Can they ex take that strength away and then exploit weaknesses in the underneath and having to read in, in you know, digest what's going on and be able to progress progress through and, and get the ball where he's supposed to get it out. Um, are those things going to plague him? He is a second-year quarterback, uh, a second-year quarterback in the league. Now, yes, it's his first full year as a star starter. This is his sophomore year. The sophomore slump is a thing that tends to happen to some quarterbacks in this league. It really does. They, they struggle that second year after that first year of exposure. Now, this will be his first full year as a starter, so maybe it doesn't come around this year. Maybe next year is the year where it could come to be because people don't have enough film yet to know what to take away and what not to take away from Trey Lance. But a lot of the things that we talked about last year in terms of how teams are going to go about attacking Trey, not disguising coverages, but in fact, instead sitting in cover three, take away the deep, make him throw underneath. 
We saw that being implemented a lot by Seattle, by Arizona, and even the Texans early on in that football game. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, last year Trey was trying to figure out what this offense was about. You know, where people were supposed to be pre-snap, you know, what he was supposed to do, what receivers were his one, his two, who's his hot route. All those things are going through his mind, you know, pre-snap, in the huddle. He's thinking. I think this year is going to be less thinking about what he's supposed to do and more thinking about what the defense is showing him and what they're going to do. Uh, understanding your offense means you can wait for your receiver to get to the right location or know your receiver is going to get to the right location and throw with anticipation. So I think last year was all about Trey learning about what he needed to do within the offense and what the offense did. And this year it's going to be more go implement that and go against these defenses, see what they do, and then go execute. So I think that last year was a nice learning experience and a good reason why, you know, it's nice for a guy to be able to sit 15 of the 17 games and be able to watch a pro like Jimmy Garoppolo who understands what the offense is about and already knows where everyone's going to be and all those pieces are. Uh, and now you're giving him Brian Greasy to help along the way. So I think last year was a, very important for Trey Lance and this year will be even more important because now he's going to be able to focus on the other team and not what his team is doing. Uh, very, very accurate and indeed. And we'll close that poll out because we've had a, a good amount of votes. The TCC has had plenty of time and Trey Lance seems to be the, the favorite. Aunt Elijah Mitchell, no love whatsoever from the TCC at 0%. 0% for Elijah Mitchell. This. You, you've, done, you've done stirred up Ant. Chat, I hope you're proud of yourself. You done stirred him up in, cued, in a big way. Cue the next 20 videos being about Elijah Mitchell. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Almighty. Well, listen, chat, if there's any other names that we miss, now would be the time to let us know in the comment section. And while you're doing that, who you think the breakout offensive players are going to be for the Niners in 2022, make sure to like the video if you haven't already. Subscribe if you have not. And uh, hit that notification bell. That way you don't miss more conversations, more discussions, more videos all throughout the offseason. Yeah, we're going to be hitting you with some more videos coming up this week. Uh, there's going to be some good ones. So make sure you check out the channel all the time. There's going to be new stuff. Also, if you have us over on Patreon or you're a channel member, uh, there's going to be some exclusive content, including a, a new episode of Hit, and, Hit or Miss and also a new episode of Slightly Offside. So uh, if you want to check those out, make sure you do. It's going to be a fun one. And it's it's a, been a fun offseason so far, and we're getting inching closer and closer to training camp in this regular season. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, very, very true. Mr. Corey, I voted for Ant at center. Yeah. Well, there you go. Woo! Ant at center for breakout, breakout star. star of the 49ers. It wouldn't just be breakout star. Ant. It would be the most shocking, surprising twist in the history of twists. Yeah, I'm just going to step over the rope at training camp and be like, Brendel, sup? Sup? Uh, we'll see how this goes. See me. I, I think I can still snap, so we'll see. I probably got like two good reps in me. Hey, two good reps. <laughs> two good reps is two more good reps than Alex Mack had left in his career. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. Uh, Jim Ocarillo, media will always dig up some controversy. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, that's just the name of the game. It's it's what they're about. You find the controversy because then it gives you something to talk about. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about you know the team when you're just talking about the players in general like we do. We talk about the players, you know, what they're going to do, what could happen. Uh, it's easy to go and create a controversy or discuss, you know, these big topics. That's how you get more clicks. Um, so the media is very good at what they do and expect more of that to come along the way. We've seen Tom Palisario now talking about Trey Lance and he's looking better than he's ever looked. Of course he is. I mean, it, they're going back and forth. Of course! They're, they're taking you across the entire wave of everything that's happening. So uh, just get ready. The offseason is still going, and that stuff is going to happen until football actually kicks into gear. Very true. E nice. Uh, McLeod should do good. It's going to be interesting to see what Raymond McLeod's actual role is outside of the return stuff on special teams and how they plan to utilize him in the offense because the experiment last year with Travis Benjamin will make you believe that maybe they wanted to move away from that. 
but they didn't answer. So maybe they feel his skill set is going to translate better. Maybe it's just the middle of the field route running and the things he can do with the ball in his hand in screen games and things like that and reverses where they feel like there's a more dynamic solidified role with him and maybe at times they feel they can get Debo off the field get him in and it's a change of pace sort of situation whereas Debo yes there's that speed aspect when he's running the football and reverses and fly sweeps and things of that nature there's a little bit of speed aspect whereas McLeod is more about hitting that edge and getting that speed off yeah I do think they added McLeod and they added TDP to kind of ease things for Debo Samuel and his role and what was expected of him they know that he can't get all those snaps and make all those plays in that wide back role. Uh, so being able to take a little bit off of his, you know, play with Ray Ray McLeod in the reverse, the fly sweeps, the screen game is important. I think that also helped Brandon Ayuk, but then also TDP handling some of those short yards and explosive run plays, I think is what they're looking for. Uh, so I like it. I, I like the fact that they did that. And I think Ray Ray McLeod is going to make an impact on this team. And we talked, you know, during the offseason. let's add the shifty guy that can make things happen. Let's add the guy that can take the top off. 49ers did that. Uh, so I thought they executed their plan at the wide receiver position very well. Very true. Do you well? Glad you're enjoying the shows there. Mr. Corey, you guys are on this channel are so cool, fun, laid back, non-whiny, etc. with the flexing emojis. We do our best, my guy. We do our best. Uh, Russell talked about how he thinks the O-line is solidified. Kittle will be a breakout player. I like that. I, I have a feeling that you and I are in the same boat and feel the same sort of ways about this. Russell and Donald Johnson wants the Niners to... Give them something to talk about. <laughs> uh, well, about I don't want to get demonetized any further than that. Uh, anyway, but yes, uh, like Brendan and Step Brothers, uh, absolutely solid. He has the voice of an angel. Yeah, it's a, it's a mixture of Fergie and Jesus. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where to go with that, to be honest with you. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where else to take it either, other than uh, giving you a little bit of a snippet of it, and also, yes, uh, Fergie and Jesus, and 100%, uh, 100% that. Hugo G, yo, cutback crew. What's up, Hugo? Say Juwan Jennings is doing a major way. Um, he's he's doing a major way. He said, I'll say. Ju oh, Ju I'll say. Juwan Jennings I thought is doing it, a major way. I thought it was exclamation point. I thought it was just more exclamation points. Yeah, I think it's all. I, I, I'll, I think. I'll say. Well, Hugo, yeah. uh, listen, that Ant and I don't disagree with you there. We, yeah. we think he definitely could be one of the, the big breakout players for the 49ers in the wide receiver room. Yeah, for sure. And what's up, Jay Hill? Jay Hill just jumped in and said he likes the background. Oh, okay then. Well, well thanks, Jay Hill. Appreciate that. Jay Hill, I... I would say I love your pool, but I haven't got to use it yet. <laughs> also, I do want to say thank you to Jay Hill for finally getting me my wonderful, wonderful yes. groomsman gift. Yeah, that was fantastic. Thanks it, it, so much, Jay Hill, for it, not giving it to us. But Horst, thanks for giving us Jay Hill's uh, groomsman gift. Horst, thank you for doing that for Jason because he was going to not ever do it. Yep. Um, listen, Ant, some people say better late than never. In all honesty, it wasn't worth a six-year wait. I don't know. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I so I kept mine in my box to keep it safe. So hey, it it, it is uh it, it is nice. I do take it out of my box and look at it every now and again. And, you know, just like I appreciate it. Yeah, a shot. No, it wasn't a shot. I love you, Jay. <laughs> I love you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal though. And, and look, uh, watch the breakout offensive player be someone like Jordan Mason or someone else unexpected. It could be. Th this could be the case. You couldn't have found. You wouldn't have found a content creator or anyone, Ant last year who would have told you that elijah mitchell would have been the, the the leader the the best running back of this group if everyone stayed healthy no one would have said that no one would have went with elijah mitchell as the guy as the workhorse and uh, at the end of the 2022 2021 season there we were nonetheless
Yeah, I mean, Jordan Mason's an interesting guy. He can definitely catch the ball in the backfield. True, he definitely can. He's smooth. He's got a lot of ability, and he's you know bringing that 220-pound-plus frame. I'm excited to see what he's going to do in training camp because I want to see how he runs and how his development is you know changed from college to the pros. We've seen Elijah Mitchell take a huge step forward, and I'm hoping that I walk out of training camp going, you know what, that Jordan Mason's you know a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But he's definitely a physical runner, and he has a nice running style. Let's see if he can fit in Kyle Shanahan's uh, system and, you know, what Anthony Lynn can do with him. But Jordan Mason is going to make a push for this team. I just think it's going to be really tough. Uh, with There's four or five guys ahead of him right now. Uh, there's a lot of guys ahead of him. That's going to be a tough room to crack. But who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see that out of him. But look, TCC, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun talking offensive breakout players with you. Um, and while Jason Hill may not lie, and he does sliding scale his way to the truth. I do like sliding scales. Some, some people would say stretching of the truth, but hey, it's, it's, it's to each their own, Jason. I still love you, man. I still love you, and I cannot wait to argue with you more this year on a, on Faceoff. So we'll, we'll have a lot of fun with those. Uh, but look, this has been a lot of fun today, and a lot of potential breakout players. It definitely is going to not necessarily start with the O because the defense is going to be setting the tone for this team, I believe, all season long, especially to take pressure off of Trey Lance. But the offense could be the thing that drives the nail in the coffin for a lot of these teams all season. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the thing. It's going to take complimentary football. The 49ers went out and improved the defensive side of the ball by getting Charvarius Ward and then adding to the defensive line. And then they added on offense as well. You know, and on offense, I think there's a little bit more questions because there's, you know, some players that you haven't seen yet. So there's guys who are, you're just projecting what they're going to be able to do. If those projections become realities, then this 49ers team could be very, very good. Uh, so I'm excited about the potential, and you're right. The defense is going to set the tone, and the offense is going to go in there, hopefully, and slam the door on some of these games and get us some big-time victories. I want big-time victories. I want doors being slammed. I would love it to be Trey. I would love it if Danny Gray is, is a guy that could end up being the breakout guy, Mr. Corey. That would be absolutely phenomenal. I don't know who it's going to be, Ant, but I know there's going to be a lot of names to watch, a lot of players to watch, a lot of opportunities for all of these guys. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out in training camp because in a shocking turn of events, Ant, uh, in order to be a breakout player, you have to get through training camp and make the 53-man roster and also hold on to your job. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough. You know, I mean, that's the thing. When I was thinking about breakout players, I definitely did take into consideration if a guy was secure in his position, you know, to be able to become a breakout player. Because uh, if you're in a if you're in a dogfight in one of these training camp battles and there's no guarantee you know, that you're going to win the job. You probably aren't going to be a breakout player. Uh, so we'll see. But there's, I was going over to the training camp battles today, uh, and there's just so many cool matchups. I'm excited to talk about them, and that's something that I know we're going to get into here in the next couple weeks. Uh, that's very true. Do you guys have a favorite 49er? Do you mean, like, player? Is Because if it's player, then it's Steve Young for me because the quarterback I grew up with. And what's up, David Villa? How's it going? Hey, David. Um, when it comes to it, the, my favorite 49er of all time is Joe Montana. You know, I mean, I grew up in the heyday of Joe Montana. I watched his, you know, gloriousness, his greatness. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with Joe. I My first jersey was a Joe Montana jersey. Uh, I, it's always going to be Joe for me. First was a Steve. So there you go. I mean, that's a, it really comes down to first, right? The thing that made you fall in love with the team. I didn't get a lot of Joe Montana growing up, Ant. Uh, was a pretty young uh, pre pretty young and not in the glory days of San Francisco. Jason Hill going with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is is a close uh, is a very close second for me. In fact, I, I probably have them one A and one B. In all honesty, yeah, Jerry Rice is. Uh, and remember, it was favorite, so it's you know it wasn't like the greatest player Correct. that ever played. It was Correct. favorite player. Uh, and Joe was doing it for me before Jerry ever even got there. That's the connection with Joe Montana, uh, one of the greatest. And did you know why Steve Young wore number eight? 
I don't know. Because he was half the player of Joe Montana. Oh, that's <laughs> hot dog. I mean, it's a, it's an easy setup, and I walked right into it. Uh, my favorite offensive player was Joe, and defense was lots as Donald Johnson. I love those. Look, by the those way. are those are two good ones. It really does. It, it really comes down to era. It really yeah, comes down does, to era because there's sure. a lot of 49ers fans growing up right now who are Niners fans in this point in time in this moment, who you know, yeah, aren't going to say Joe Montana and aren't going to say Steve Young. Uh, they 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 are just coming into their fandom and they're going to have specific players from these eras right here where they are guys. I know guys whose favorite player is Patrick Willis. Their favorite 49 of all time is Patrick Willis. And that's because they are younger, obviously, significantly younger than the both of us and didn't get a lot of that experience. In fact, the Niners were terrible for most of their childhood growing up. And it wasn't until, you know, Patrick Willis and, and a little bit, you know, closer to the Harbaugh days where they got to an appreciation of the 49ers and really appreciate certain aspects of players' games. Yeah, and Mr. Corey is saying current player. Current player? Uh, current player, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. As of right now, it's Bosa. Yeah, Bosa's a good one. Uh, yeah, my favorite is uh, George Kittle. I, I love Solid. George Kittle. He, he's one of those guys that Solid. operates. But it's really hard to choose between, like, Kittle, Warner, Debo. I just think there's so many really good players that the 49ers have. You know, and I'm catching a little heat for the Steve Young thing. But I would like to say that I do like Steve Young. I did like him as a quarterback. You just like him half as much as I, Joe Montana. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And still a lot more than Jeff Garcia or, you know, Tim Rattay or any of those guys. Jim Drunkenmiller. <laughs> what was the dude? J.T. O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah. J.T. O'Sullivan. Yeah, isn't he the one that does all the quarterback videos on YouTube? He does do quarterback videos yeah. on YouTube. Carson Palmer just started just started doing it, and it's yeah. already significantly better than J.T. O'Sullivan in a shocking turn of events. Yeah, I've watched some of uh, Warner's as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. His, I finally yeah. watched his movie over the weekend too. Fantastic! It was pretty good. Yeah. It was actually pretty good. Extremely hard to watch because success comes at at the behest of. You can ask Megan. There's times where I'm like, I'm literally sitting. I was literally sitting in the movie and just doing this. <laughs> I know what's coming next. Yeah. You, you jerk. You big tough. jerk. It was. It was tough. But solid, solid flick. It was a solid flick. Drunken Miller, a wasted first-round pick, says Marvin Russ. Not wrong. Yeah, that one hurt. That it, it hurts. There's a lot of them, actually. There's a lot of players, quarterbacks. Giovanni Carmazzi also hurt. That that wasn't necessarily great. Oh, yeah. No, uh, not no, a good one. No, not not at all. Uh, bringing Mike Smarts in and then having J.T. O'Sullivan run the offense was also just horrible. Uh, Hugo G., Ray Worshing for me. Yeah. Ray Worshing is a good one. I, I sometimes rock a Ray Worshing jersey. He does. Yeah. It, or, or anyone who wears... Uh, <laughs> Anyone? Drunken Miller puke says Mr. Corey. We're gonna trade. Uh, we were gonna trade with the Dolphins to draft Tony Gonzalez in that draft. Sad crying emojis. Yeah, that that would have been a lot more impressive. It's very true. It's very true. And uh, Caleb, you better go fold your laundry before Kylie gets all over you because you definitely are not related at all whatsoever. Yeah, There's that. And the good news is, uh, has he fooded his laundry? Today? Oh, fooded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's she, L there. Not an L. There's an L. <laughs> Uh, who else? Joe Staley show uh, when played. I love the Joe Staley show when he played. That phenomenal. was fantastic. Yeah, phenomenal. It was good stuff in that locker room. That was a very close, tight knit sort of locker room. Man. Yeah. It really was. It was. It was glorious. It was phenomenal. Um, and look, the Niners uh, locker room right now. Uh, a lot of people can feel any way that you want. The fact that they went through the turmoil of last season and questions the quarterback room and have come out the other side the way that they have. It means we're primed. We're primed for breakout offensive players. We're primed for breakout defensive players. We're primed for a tight-knit team that is ready to deal with every everything, all the adversity gets, that gets thrown their way all throughout the 2022 season. And we're hoping that it leads to 
the conclusion to the quest for six and, and not the continuation of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's one of the fun things that we've been having going on in the last couple of days, going over the breakout players on defense, on offense, is seeing that there's a lot of potential for this 49ers team to take it to the next level. And so we'll see what happens. And I think there's a lot of other fun conversations because the Niners have 90 guys on their roster, which means there's a lot of interesting uh, players and a lot of things that could definitely change and guys could come out of nowhere. So we'll see what happens. I think there's going to be fun conversations to come up this week, but uh, these were one of the good ones because uh, the 49ers have some guys who are, are primed and ready to take off and have big seasons. Very, very true. We're going to see what happens. We're going to see how this plays out. TCC, we'll catch you on the next one. And until that time, stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.